Good evening, every nation. So great to be with everybody. I was going to maybe try that, out, that dance out, but Siv has now brought a whole lot of unnecessary attention to my genes. So I'm afraid that there might be a wardrobe malfunction. So I won't do that. I will, however, preach the word. Is that okay? Amen. So good to be here. So good to be with you all. I am. Last week, Sunday, uh, a lady came, came to me after, after, after the service in the morning, and uh, uh, she says to me, you know, you, 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 prayed, uh, you prayed for me uh, weeks or, or, or a while back, and, uh, and she starts to remind me what we prayed into, and, and, uh, and her and her husband had, uh, had, had, uh, had been uh, struggling to have children and had been trusting God for children, and she'd gone to see the doctor, and they identified that she had some fibroids in her womb, and so we prayed together. She came back, and she said, guess what? Um, we prayed, and then I guess they went away and had some practical application, um, and, they, and they were a month pregnant. And, and I, I got so excited uh, for them, but I was excited also because uh, the Lord had, had, uh, had dropped something in my heart, that, uh, that something that he wanted to do this week was, this, was that he wanted to, uh, to minister to those people who um, have been trusting him and have been asking him uh, for, for, for children and have been struggling to conceive. And, and I'd been struggling with that word and, and, and asking him about it, and I, I really saw that as a confirmation. And so decided to step out and trust him. And, and, and in the morning, we made a call, and it was awkward. Uh, and, but, but a lot of people stood up at the end, and, and we really prayed and believed and, and trusted God that, that, that um, the people would, would conceive and, and, and have children. And, and that was a really faithful moment. And I believe that uh, that moment is still, that heaven is still open over that area uh, tonight. So I, I want to I wanna extend that invitation before we even begin uh, to say to you that the God is here uh, that heaven is open and he wants to minister to you. So I want to pray for anybody in uh, this house uh, who has been trusting God for, for children. You've been trusting God to, to, to conceive um, and, uh, and it hasn't happened yet, but you're in faith. We want to stand with you in faith. If there's anybody like that, can I ask you to stand to your feet? If you're trusting God, you and your, your, your husband, your, your spouse are, are, are trusting God for, uh, uh, for children, uh, we want to pray with you. This is a family moment, and, and that's how we really received it in the morning also. So can I ask you to stand in faith if that is you, and, and we want to minister to you this evening. I do want to tell you there was an awkward moment in the morning also. We're fine. We see you guys. We see you guys. We see you guys. This is how it works. There's an awkward moment, and then there's courageous people who step up, and then courage breeds courage. And then all of a sudden, we recognize that, man, we'd better not miss this moment. Um, so we want to we wanna pray for these awesome people. So, so can you just turn around and just extend your hand if you're next to them, if you'll just lay hands uh, over them. When we're praying this prayer, by the way, we are aligning ourselves with the will of God. We're aligning ourselves with the reality of heaven. What we are saying is that, is that the heavenly reality is that, is that you are fruitful. That is the heavenly reality. 
So we are aligning ourselves with that heavenly reality this evening. Is that okay? And so, Father, we call down heaven over these amazing people this evening. We're asking, Father, that you would cause them to be fruitful and to multiply. Father, we're praying according to your word because you have declared it. We're praying according to your word because it is so before you in the throne room. In the throne room, they are fruitful. And so we're asking, let it be so even on earth. Father, we're asking you to eliminate all that is not from you in their bodies. Father, that their bodies would would function in the way that you have designed them to function. We're asking for that original mandate to take root in them right now and that they would, it would take root, it would bear seed, they would be fruitful and that they would multiply. Before you, they are fathers and mothers. Before you, they are parents. Before you, they are disciples who will bring before you a godly offspring. We just release it over them. It is your will. We choose to stand with them as they align themselves to what is already a heavenly reality. And so we, we declare it and we thank you, Father, right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, and well done to you, brave folks. We're, we're going we're to chat today about, um, about praying, uh, praying in power, powerful prayers. And so I, I want to invite you, if you'll join me in the book of 2 Kings, uh, 2 Kings chapter 6. Just, just after First Kings, you'll find you'll find you'll find this, this Second Kings. If you don't know where First Kings is, let's just look at the screen. It's after Second Samuel, which is after. Hey, hey, scholars of the word. <laughs> Here's what I'm going to ask us to do. Um, there, there, we're going to read quite a bit of scripture. So there are about four slides of, of scripture that we're going to read together. I'm going to ask if this section, if you can help me read this first slide. The rest of you are going to read and take in with your ears. Then I'm going to ask this section to help me read the second slide. And the rest of you are going to read and take in with your ears. And then I'm going to ask this section to help me read the third slide. And the rest of you are going to read and take in with your ears. I'll just finish off that, first, that fourth slide. That's, there's not a lot there. That makes sense, right? Okay, here we go. Now, the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel. None of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, Tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came. He is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. 
when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness, as as Elisha had asked. I'll just finish this off. Elisha told them, this is not the road, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will lead you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to Samaria. After they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so they can see. Then the Lord opened the eyes, and they looked, and there they were inside Samaria. Amen. This is, uh, this is the story of how God used Elisha as the prophet over Israel to deliver them uh, in various situations. And as it relates to praying powerful prayers, there's three things that I want us to build to. And so when we're done, this is what we're going to conclude, that if we are to pray powerful prayers, there's three things. We need to, one, position ourselves for blessing. Position ourselves to be a blessing. Secondly, we need to pray fearless prayers. We pray fearless prayers. And the third thing is that we pray prayers that rise out of revelation. These are the three things that I want us to walk away with. That we position ourselves to be a blessing. That we pray fearless prayers. And that we pray prayers that rise out of revelation. If we can look at that second prayer slide, and that's where we're going to camp out a little bit as we just look at the story of, of Elisha. And so, and so we, when, when this king is, de, is devising his plans, the king of Aram, he's, devi, he's devising his plans, and, and what happens is every time they come, they come up with a battle strategy, Before they've had a chance to implement, the Israelite army has already implemented a counter strategy. So when they decide we're going to set up camp in this valley and we're going to attack them from this direction, when they send spies ahead, they find that there's already a garrison of the Israelite army waiting for them, knowing their every step. Eventually, the the king of Aram gets tired of this and he calls together his generals and he says, Who is the spy? Who is leaking information to the Israelite army? That was before the days of WikiLeaks. <laughs> Nothing new under the sun. Who is telling them our strategies? And, and, and his generals are saying, my Lord, it's not us. There is a prophet in Israel. And when you speak the words, when you devise the plans, even if you do it in your very bedroom, he, he takes those plans and he downloads them to Elisha who tells them to the king and that's how they are one or two steps ahead of us at all times. Can I, can I ask for us to go onto that, that, that second scripture slide? S- scripture slide number two, that's the one, thank you. 
So, how did Elijah, Elisha, sorry, come to be so influential that God would use him as a tool to work, to deliver Israel, and, to, and, and in, in, in effect, to, to shape what God wanted to do in Israel? Scripture tells us that the words that were spoken in the bedroom of the king of Aram were known to Elisha, but it doesn't start there. If we're going to appreciate how, how Elisha really, really positioned himself, we have to take a few steps back. That's not, that's not there, so I'll just tell you the story of how Elisha came into the office of prophet. Elisha was a student of another great prophet called Elijah. And what happened was, Elisha was busy plowing his father's fields. See, Elisha belonged to a prosperous family. They had, they had fields, they had, they had livestock, they had properties, and he was, he was looking after his father's fields, and he's plowing with the servants, and, and Elijah walks past and extends an invitation for him to, to become his student. And the way that he would do that is that he would throw his mantle at him, and, 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 uh, and Elisha would respond by picking it up, and he would run after him, and he would follow him for the rest of his days. If I said to you, I'm just going to press pause on this. If I said to you, there's an open heaven this evening. You can ask God anything. And you know that God is going to answer. And I say to you, I don't, I just, I don't just want you to ask for one thing. I want you to ask for seven things. Think of seven things that you need. And you're going to bring them before the Lord right now. And I'm going to give you five seconds. <laughs> I, I, I don't think that you're going to have trouble coming up with seven things that you need. In fact, some of you have probably got a screen grab already. You, 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 got, you got something in your wallet, you're pulling out, well, if it's an open heaven. <laughs> but if I ask the same question and I say to you, open heaven, same rules apply, but I want you to bring Three requests before the Lord that have no bearing on you whatsoever. They've got nothing to do with you. They will not impact you directly. If God answers these prayers, they will not be of direct benefit or impact to you. Five seconds. Can we come up with the three? <laughs> no, bro. It's only certain figures that can pull off these jeans. <laughs> oh, Jesus, where were we? Yeah, back to the word. <clears throat> we find it easy to bring things before God that are of benefit to us. We find it easy to bring up our needs before God. And, and in fact, that makes up the bulk of our prayer, right, is, is the things that we need, the things that we are immediately aware of. Not so much do we bring before God the needs of a friend or a neighbor or a stranger. But if we are going to be 
powerful in the kingdom of heaven. And if we're going to be led to pray powerful prayers, we have to be able to see others more than we see ourselves. We have to be able to carry other people more than we're willing to carry ourselves. And so if we go back to Elisha, who is plowing his father's fields and receives a call and a moment of destiny, he's tapped on the shoulder. He, he does, he, he's not confused. He doesn't doubt. He follows the man of God, even though, let's be clear, Elijah, Elisha is in a pretty sweet situation. Elisha just has to plow his father's field and do what he's doing long enough for his father to die. And then he inherits everything. For the rest of his life, he's sorted, he's comfortable, he'll be happy, and then he'll die. But then that's that. We've never, we'll never have known about Elisha. But because he chooses to leave the, the worldly properties and to go after heavenly destiny, today we are still thankful to God for Elisha, how he shaped and helped to lead the nation of Israel. Are we willing to carry nations in our hearts, saints? Hear me. I'm, I'm not saying that in order to, to step into destiny, you need to leave everything behind. You need to sell stuff and go. If, that's what, if that is what God is calling you to do, do it. What I am saying is that you do need to detach yourself from worldly goods. That, that your identity and your value cannot be linked to, to what you have. If you're going to, you have to empty yourself of these things so that you can be a vessel and, and, and a conduit to be able to channel the presence of God. You have to be willing to, to, to straddle the gap and go, where heaven meets earth, that's where I am. That's what I carry. So when I go into situations, when, I, when I'm stepping into my workplace, it's, it's heaven meets earth that's walking in. It's that sweet spot, that channel where God is able to step in and do what he needs to do. When I'm praying for people, it's with that revelation of being a vessel, a conduit, that lightning rod where heaven meets earth. That's where I am. That's who I am. And that's how God is going to use me. We have to be willing to step in. In verse 13, the king says, he says, go, go find where he is so I can send men to capture him. Because you see, when you are about the, the, the business of the kingdom, you will attract the attention of the enemy. You, you, will, attract, you will attract the attention of the enemy and, he, and he'll be busy with his schemes over here. And all of a sudden, he'll put his head up and go, who is that? Where, where are they? Where is he? Where is she? We're going to send an army right now. We're going to send an army right now because whatever this person is doing over here, we need to put a stop to that. We can't tolerate. We can't tolerate what it is that they're doing. So now you and I have a decision to make. Do we want to live lives that attract the attention of the enemy? Or do we want to live lives that are comfortable? 
You see, because we can step into the comfort zone and we can stay there and we can pursue what is only of this world or we can step into a zone where we're saying, God, use me. I will do whatever is necessary to step into my call if it means that I leave the plow and the oxen and the servants and I follow Elijah, then so be it. That's what I will do. But if we step into that zone, we become a blimp on the radar of the enemy. Now he's going, wait, where's this person? Let's find this person. Let's deal with this person. See, the point, the point is not to become known in hell, right? It's not, you know, your CV's like, this guy, I'm known in hell. I'm, it's, the, the point The point is to be known in heaven. That's the point. But here's the thing. If you're known in heaven, you are known in hell. Because if you are are wreaking heavenly havoc on earth, you are catching attention. And then what happens? And he goes, well, we need to to do something. So he says, says, I'm going to send men to capture him and bring him to me. So, So what does the enemy do? He sends, he sends an army, a ridiculously large army, a, an, an unnecessarily large army to go and to capture this one guy. Watch what's happening. The king of Aram is engaged in warfare, right? We've established that. He's, a, he's wanting to attack the, the army of, or, or the nation of Israel. Now, when you're engaged in warfare, you need every soldier you can get to fill your ranks, but this guy is willing to sacrifice a significant portion of his army to go and to deal with this guy. Why? Because he's going and he's, lo- he's looking at this army and he's going, I-, I understand this army. I know this army. This army is coming against me with shields and swords and chariots. I have those. But somebody over here is attacking me with something I don't understand. There's something that this guy over here is doing that's detrimental to my plans, and I don't have the warfare or I don't have the tools of warfare to engage him one-on-one. I had better send an army. Because you see, the tools and the weapons that Elisha is engaging with are not the tools that are carnal, are not the weapons that are, that are, 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 that are worldly. It's not, it's not swords and shields. It's, it's, it's the tools, it's the, it's the weapons that, that pull down strongholds and principalities and powers. And so Elisha here, being used by God, is more powerful than a significant portion of the army of Aram. Simply because he stepped in to his destiny. And so this king says, we had better redirect a large amount of our resources to deal with this. It's, it's, it's an attack that we don't understand. Interesting thing about, um, about the town of Dothan. The, the meaning the meaning of the, of, of the word Dothan is two wells. Two wells. So, when, when the king of Aram asks his servants uh, who, who's spying against us, and they tell him it's, it's, it's Elisha, where can he be found? It's Elisha. He's found at the place of 
two wells. Now, when we talk about wells, wells were an important uh, resource in this time. Uh, to, to a people whose main source of, of livelihood was agriculture, was, was, uh, was herds and, 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 uh, and, and, uh, and, and, and vegetables, L- the wells were important. Herdsmen needed to know that if I take my sheep and I drive them so far that way, when I get there, there's going to be a well. Because if, if there isn't a well there, we're in trouble. So they needed to mark the wells and know exactly where the wells are, how far apart they are from one another, the, 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 the quality of the water, etc. Wars would be fought over the territory surrounding the well. And so if you lost that territory, you had to go find another well somewhere else, maybe dig a well. So you didn't just easily come across a well. Here we find Elisha at the place of two wells. Wells speaking of overflow, life, nourishment, resources. He had these, he had them in overflow. Not only did he have a well, he had two wells. Where was he found? At the place of two wells, the place of overflow, abundance, resource, life. Here's my question to you. When the enemy asks about you, where are you to be found? Are you at the place of two wells? Are you at a place of abundance? Is there overflow in your body, in your mind, in the things you talk about? Is there overflow? When I go into your office space, is it clear that, man, because you are here, this is not just one well, it's two wells, baby. (laughs) In your family, is there overflow? Is there abundance and life to the extent that you not only have one well, but you have two wells? Are you found at the place of two wells? Position yourself to be a blessing, and you will. You will be found in the place of two wells. Notice how I say position yourself to be a blessing, not position yourself to be blessed. You know that loophole we find, Lord, if you just bless me over and abundant so that I may be a blessing? But first, you've got to sort me out until I'm so sorted that I'm just like running over, and then I'll kind of sort other people out. No! Take, upon, take it upon yourself that if this nation is going to, 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 to succeed, if this nation is going to go anywhere, it's because I'm going to stand up and I'm going to declare truth. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to pray. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to get involved. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to declare where there's falsehood, I'm going to bring light. Where there's corruption, I'm going to bring light. I'm going to bring justice. I'm going to bring prayer. I'm going to bring truth. I'm going to bring the presence of God because when I come in there, that's what I'm bringing. And if I can't go, then I'm praying. It depends on you. If as a nation we are going to thrive, it depends on you. Does God cause us to thrive? Does God cause us to thrive as a nation? Yeah. How? <laughs> Lord, bless our nation. And, we, and then we tap out. That I've done my bit. The Lord will now, he's got all the information. He'll now execute. And he's going, I'd, lo- I'd love to. I'd love to bless the nation. Come, let me, let me tell you what to do. 
when the, when the servant of the man of God, verse 15, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked, and this leads to that second point. This is what Elisha says to his servant. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. What's happening there? The servant goes out doing servant duties, and, uh, and he looks up, and, and there's an army surrounding the entire city. And he goes into a tailspin, and he starts to panic, and he responds out of fear. And now he's looking at Elisha, who's the, who's the picture of peace and calmness, and going, don't worry. He says, he says, do not fear. And if we go to, onto, that, onto that next slide, he says, do, he says, do not fear because those who are with us are more than those who are against us. Take me to that, to that next slide, please. There's proof. Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are against us. Maybe you have been that Elisha. Maybe you have been in situations that are pressing. Maybe you have been in situations that seem impossible and people around you have started to go into panic mode and they look at you and you're calm and they don't understand why you have peace and, 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 and they're going, are, are you not able to see what is going on? Are you not able to see that, 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 that we're oppressed? Are you not able to see that we're in danger, that we're at risk, that we're one month away from bankruptcy or failure? Are you not able to see why are you so calm? And you, Elisha, are going, I know what you see, but don't be scared because those who are with us are more than those who are against us. In fact, he goes on to say this. He says, actually, Lord, will you just, will you just open his eyes so that he can see what I see? And so he prays that prayer. Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Ah, oh, I get it now. I get it now. You were tapping into a different reality than what I was. I was responding from the reality that I know and can see. You were tapping into a higher reality. You will face situations that are going to test your character, that are going to test your endurance, that are going to test your call. If you're called, you will face a test to that call. Elisha left it all to follow the great man, Elijah. And he did what God asked him to do. He didn't step out of the will of God. This wasn't happening to Elisha because he had displeased God. This was happening to Elijah because he had followed God. I just want to deal with those of you who feel like you are in difficult situations because God is upset and angry with you because he's a punishing and a judgmental God. If you're following the call of God over your life, there will be armies that come against you. Your job 
The question that lies at your feet in that moment, it is the same question that lies before you, that lies before me in that moment. What do you see? In that moment, when you look at your situation, when you look at your challenge and your army that is coming against you, what do you see? Are you going to respond as the servant did? and to see an army, and then to cower, and to run away, or to repent before the enemy for rocking the boat? Are you going to try stuff, step out of the boat, get burnt, and then blame God and never try anything again? Are you going to walk around wounded, claiming that God hates you and has punished you and has judged you? Are you going to misunderstand the call of God on your life by shrinking back in the moment of test? By shrinking back in the moment when God is asking you the most pivotal question of your life. What do you see? That's everything. That question is everything. What do you see? Is it the goodness of God that is that you see that is surrounding you or is it your, your enemy? Is it your failure or is it, is it the goodness of God? What is it that you see when you have failed, when you have been ridiculed, when you have been persecuted, when you have been faced with doubt, when you have prayed and your body has not gotten better, when you have felt a call and you have run after it and you don't feel God, the question that is always going to be laid at your feet is what do you see? And Elisha, saw angels, chariots of fire. And what that told him was that this enemy has already been defeated. I'll tell you why. Because if all this enemy can bring against me is horses and chariots, he's already been defeated. Because my God sees your chariot and your horse and raises you a chariot of fire. My God sees your soldiers and raises you angels. You're defeated. And if that's my reality, then my prayers are powerful. My prayers are powerful. Because the next thing that Elisha does is he says to the Lord, Lord, strike this army with blindness. That's a powerful prayer. Elijah, Elijah by himself, himself, by himself, asked the Lord, and, and the Lord strikes that entire army with blindness, and Elijah leads them back home. <laughs> don't, don't worry, guys. Don't worry. No, no, no. I know who you're looking for. I, I, I know, I know, I know. It's, just watch out for the rock. I know. I know who it sounds like, but don't worry, we've we got a thing. You'll see, you'll see. They get to Samaria, which is the stronghold of the day for the Israelite army, and he asks the Lord, open their eyes. And oh boy, they're surrounded by the Israelite army. One man delivered an army. Why? He's positioned himself to be a blessing. He prayed fearless prayers, 
and his revelation was strong. He prayed prayers that rise out of a place of revelation. 